0: think we're going to do a job on them and you stop i would
1: say 15 to 20 no 15 ish but like a solid back in your box type moment subscribe to the rugby stream on the otb sports app now
2: the football kickoff with sky watch every single live premier league game on sky sports bt sport and premier sports
0: You are very welcome along to the Football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is the best place to watch the show every Friday. Liverpool with just the one win from their last four away games in the Premier League but they go to Bournemouth on the back of a 7-0 thrashing of Manchester United last weekend. The leaders' arsenal came back from two goals down to pick up a dramatic 3-2 victory against the Cherries last weekend. Mikel Arteta's side go to Fulham for a London derby on Sunday. Ahead of that the reigning champions Manchester City will have the chance to reduce the gap at the summit back to two points if they win against Crystal Palace tomorrow evening they're among the games that we're looking at this weekend the live games on the TV you've got Bournemouth against Liverpool half past 12 on BT Sport tomorrow Leeds against Brighton is the 3pm kickoff on Premier Sports Crystal Palace versus Man City the 5.30 kickoff on Sky Sports tomorrow and then two games on Sunday you've got that London Derby between Fulham and Arsenal at 2 o'clock and Newcastle against Wolves is the half past 4 kickoff. Sky Sports it is also live here on OTB with Nathan Murphy and Kenny Cunningham on commentary. Delighted to say Colin Buick and former Ireland international Key Trace, you me. How are you getting on, lads? How are you that? All good? Very well, yeah. Great to be here. Exciting weekend uh, last weekend. You were just saying, Keith, that it, kind of everything was a little bit overshadowed because of what happened at Anfield in the late kickoff. Uh, but you were working on the early game on Sunday, which is reasonably exciting. We had two three two two 3-2 games on mm. Saturday afternoon as well. Um, so sometimes we can underestimate how some of these fixtures play out, particularly when you look at how tight things are at the bottom. 12-20, at Six points.
1: Yeah, well look, I was getting a bit of stick because uh, I wasn't doing the, the big game, the United and Liverpool game, but I thought the Forest and Everton game was really, really entertaining. It probably wasn't tactically great. There was a lot of touch tackles, a lot of people surrounding the referee. Every every time there was a tackle, there was four or five people screaming at the referee. And it was ugly, it was scrappy, but it was very, very entertaining. I couldn't take my eyes off. And a two-all two-all draw I thought it was good considering how how strong for the start at home I think Sean Dyche should be happy with the point and they'll move on he said it was a building block and you can see that Deutsch's DNA is starting to go into that Everton team people are running through brick walls the Marty Gray was really good Seamus Coleman looked really good up and down the wing so I'm still st- still a bit nervous where the goals are going to come from, but I, I do back everything to get over.
0: Yeah, I think that might be true of some of the teams we talk about towards the bottom of the table. But Colin, Mike, this is all beautifully set up now. That six point gap from mid table right down to bottom, the top four race has become interesting again with Liverpool's resurgent form over the last five games. You add into that the fact that Tottenham have been a little bit flaky and they're just sitting around the top four right now. Newcastle have fallen out of form, and we've got a big title race coming up between Man City and Arsenal down these last 12 games of the season. It's beautifully set up for the
2: Absolutely. This is very exciting overall. We have someone in studio for the kickoff. For me, this is fantastic. Having some key chasey right here. Two weeks ago, he was there. Now he's here. So that's, first of all, that's very exciting. Second of all, how are Tottenham where they are? How are they so high up? They're in crisis, but yes, Champions League football awaits them. And then you have someone like Crystal Palace, Will. You and I were fighting over this statistic. We can share it maybe. No, go on. You get it out of the way first. I think this is remarkable for anyone that doesn't realise this. Palace are five points above the relegation zone and they haven't won a game since New Year's Eve they haven't won a game in 2023 and with players like Zaha, Alise, Eze like is Patrick Vieira I'll put it to you is Patrick Vieira getting off lightly here?
1: I think he is getting off lately but when you look at Spurs Spurs are doing really really well but the performances haven't been great in terms of points they're doing really yeah. well Palace are the complete opposite. They haven't got the points on the board, but they've been been performing okay. And look at us playing City this weekend. I know we're going to touch on it a little bit more, but they have a decent record against City under the mm. So, you know, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be backing against Palace, and that they're very very difficult to beat, but just can't turn them draws into wins. But they've twenty one goals in twenty five games. Like, mm.
2: is it? Are you when you're watching Palace play? Like you see clear discernible patterns in play do you that's not the problem is it is it just the more of a lack of efficiency in front of a goal a bit like Chelsea on the Graham Potter
1: yeah well I don't think the XG for Palace is anywhere near as high as there is for Chelsea I think Chelsea's build up is a lot better but look Palace uh, sorry Zaha is going to be coming back into the Palace squad he's just been injured he's a big big part mm. of what they do and I know it's you don't just want to throw her at, at one player and say that's why Palace haven't been performing the performances have been okay they are on the face of it doing okay but they need to start putting points on the board and I don't think Palace are looking over their shoulders just yet I think there's a lot worse lot worse players a lot worse teams in the division than Palace so I do think that they'll get away from it but Difficult day, uh, difficult game against sea. Yeah,
0: I wonder what Crystal Palace as well as them up by some good performances against the top eight. They picked up draws against some of the mm-hmm. big teams, and so therefore we remember those results more so than their struggles to True, turn yeah. draws into True. wins against other teams, which has been the problem in 2023 so far. Um, we'll kick off with Liverpool keeper because last week, I mean, incredibly impressive. John Giles was saying to us last night that maybe part of it was the motivation of playing against Manchester United at home. That if you want a team to click into gear, you put an important fixture in front of them, and maybe everything just clicks on the day. But Liverpool have been trending in in the right direction five clean sheets in a row in all competitions over the last five okay they've got a very difficult game against Real Madrid coming up midweek in the Champions League but their Premier League form is starting to come back a little bit now Um, helped hugely even in the goal difference last week by scoring the seven if they're racing against Tottenham Hotspur was that a one-off performance from Liverpool or have you seen enough over the last month with the Real Madrid game aside maybe to say that Liverpool are actually coming back to the four again?
1: I think Liverpool are starting to starting to find their old form. It's when I look at they've 13 points from the last 15 available in the league. They've scored 13 goals in the last five and conceded none. So all the stats are starting to look in the right direction. But when I look at the midfield, that started against Manchester United, Harvey Elliott, Fabinho, and um, Henderson. I don't think they're robust enough to play the next 13 games in a row. And if by some miracle they're going over to Real Madrid they'll have even more games so when I start looking at Liverpool's bench that's when it really tapers off that's when you, it's not like for like it really is coming down a few levels so there's a little bit of recruitment to be done can Liverpool I, look I was asking can Liverpool go and catch spores I think they will catch spores I think spores are going to get really really sporesy towards the end of the season and mess it all up so I think Liverpool would actually be looking at Manchester United if they're only seven points off United I think they'll be targeting them can they go and do it they definitely have the firepower to do it, but in terms of defending, you know it hasn't been great. You know I know they haven't conceded goals, but when you when teams go and they target Robertson and they target Trent Alexander-Arnold, get them up the pitch and just play balls in behind, I think they can be got it. And look, we've seen Barmot were brilliant against Arsenal, really, really good. Shouldn't have lost the game. So if Bournemouth can get off to a quick start like they did against Arsenal. You know, I would back them to try and get something out of the game because emotionally, there could be a hangover. It was a big, big night in Anfield. The crowd would be drained, the players will be drained from that. They're going down to Bournemouth. It's a really small crowd in terms of Premier League numbers. I think it's just over ten thousand a hole. So, you know, everything's just building up to ask the Liverpool players how professionally are you going to be. Are you is have you been out having a few drinks and joined the United win, or have you been professional? And if they have been tapering off a little bit, Bournemouth will go and hurt them.
2: It sounds obvious, Keith, but would you go unchanged here for Liverpool it's been a week since the United game they have Real Madrid next Wednesday Eric Ten Hag last night made the decision to go unchanged almost like prove it lads prove the point that this was the right 11 to select against Liverpool but you didn't show up for me and United did the other side of a completely Liverpool that seismic result is there a danger of complacency with some players going oh it's only Bournemouth at the bottom of the table they've conceded 7 goals in the last It'd 2 half games half an eye in
0: Madrid midweek as well
2: yeah yeah. so what, what would you do for example would you name the same 11 or would you or change you, up oh you would have
1: to name the same 11 but I understand why you'd ask the question and look I am thinking that maybe a bit of complacency so could creep in you know when you look at Harvey Elliott Harvey, I'm a big big fan of Harvey Elliott but he's a young young boy one minute he's playing against Real Madrid then he's playing against United in front of an Anfield that's absolutely bouncing. Yeah. now he's going to go to Bournemouth it's going to be a little it's, bit it's like media, completely. exactly so is Harvey Elliott in the groove where every game means the exact same at, you know is he I'm sure now will be in his ear there will be a lot of players in the squad that will be in the young lad's ears but for me Liverpool don't have the bench to be able to swap and change I think if Liverpool take two or three players out of that starting lineup up bomb it to be licking their lips thinking this Liverpool team for me got to the starting eleven is very good but like I say I don't fancy the bench too much
2: But surely like any Liverpool squad should be beat like good enough to beat this Bournemouth side. This is a this is a championship outfit, really, isn't it? That we're talking about.
1: It is, and I have in me notes here that if Bournemouth were to get relegated, I don't think an awful lot of Premier League clubs would be would be uh, lining up to take any of their yeah. players. You know, I don't think there's any of them that stand out as yeah, he's a Premier League player. You know, head and shoulders above the rest. I think they're a decent team. I actually think Gary O'Neill is over overachieving at Bournemouth. They really do, and I know they're bottom of the league. I know that, but I still think they're overachieving. For me, for that group of players to still be in with a race to be mathematically still in it, mm. you know, I I think they're doing really really well. And look, Liverpool's team on paper should be able to beat Bournemouth, but Bournemouth at home, the way they're playing against Arsenal, and look, Bournemouth have a really bad stat where they've conceded eight goals after the 80th minute that's a real mm. sick feeling all the time so
2: what does that say to you?
1: well the first thing that popped into my head is fitness issues uh, if you're conceding goals late in games constantly I'd be thinking you aren't fit enough to right. do the work over 90 minutes so I'm not sure look Gary O'Neill will have the stats he will know in black and white straight away if it's a fitness issue or not but for me as a player I've been on the end of a, like a last minute loss they've done it now a couple of times you know Mm. that's a sick feeling can you keep bouncing back from that
0: yeah their winning position stats appalling as well so second worst in the league Uh, Leicester have lost 19 points from leading positions this season Bournemouth have lost 17 and they'll feel it was 3 points dropped even at Arsenal last week with the way they were reeled in so um, that would indicate it's not just a one off this is a trend
1: exactly and that's why I'd be leaning towards a fitness issue because you keep conceding goals after the 80th minute you know it you can only put it down to fitness issue why maybe it's a mental thing maybe they're not concentrating until the last, till the final whistle and yeah they keep getting uh, keep getting kicked in the teeth towards the end mm,
0: That Liverpool strike force is starting to maybe come together now because Cody Gakpo comes in and he likes to occupy more central areas so Darwin Nunez is moving over a bit over mm. towards the left Mo Salah had a good game last week against Manchester United but his form has been down this season compared to maybe last year but that's understandable because the midfield is changing so much and he's yep. now in a very different strike force but are we getting to a point now where a new Liverpool front are you starting to emerge here?
1: Yeah, it looks, it looks an awful lot better. Gakbo, I've I seen a lot of Gakbo when he was at PSV. I, I thought he was decent. I wasn't sure how high up in the Premier League he could go, but after seeing him against United, that little finish over the game yeah. was absolutely brilliant. You well, know, you could have forgiven him for panicking and just putting his laces through that and hoping for the best. But the little dink was brilliant. Salah looks really sharp again. He looks like he's a bit between his teeth. Will he have the bit between his teeth against Bournemouth? That's what I really want to see. You know, the United and Liverpool game—it's almost like a derby. You can you can write them ones off. So will uh, will Salah still have the bit between his teeth? I hope so. And Nunes, like you said, he starts in the middle and moves out to the left and then he gets the rotation with Gakpo. So, very, very hard to defend that from open play. So, it, it is starting to click the midfield. I think they need a, a little bit more energy in midfield, a little bit more quality in the passing. And, and yeah, look, I think if they can get another... I, I, I know people like Canate, but Van Dijk for me is obviously the mainstay. If they could get another not even a world class centre half a very very decent centre half along side Van Dyke who wants to defend who doesn't really he doesn't have to be a ball player for me Van Dijk can do that get somebody who will ruin the game and just stop others Mm -hmm. going forward Mm -hmm. and that will complement the both of them for me
2: They're few and far between though aren't they world class centre halves
1: yeah, yeah,
2: miles and miles apart. Like, them, then, yeah. It's th- I think, Canati, yeah, Canary seems to be doing a decent job. But like, th- like Liverpool have been really good in the Premier League recently. Do you know, the Real Madrid match is kind of a bit of an outlier, but five Premier League clean sheets in a row. Yeah. Like they are tightening up, and Canary playing the last two, they look even better again. But I was really interested your point there about Gakpo and a second finish. Like confidence seems to be everything in football, even at that level of the game. Would Gakpo have even attempted that second finish had he not scored the first goal, which he took so well? in your own experience
1: no I, th- I think that's a good point I think if that's a, if that's nil all and he gets put through like that I think he fires it across the six yard box and yeah. hope for something but the fact that he, he's he's playing well his confidence is up he's feeling good he just goes for the little ding finish and, and it comes off and look I, I thought it was a great finish but it, it, it's a confident finish yeah but
2: it goes so like at that level of the game like is, the talents must be phenomenal the talent level like you're seeing the training pitch every day and is it all down to the mental side of the game is it actually a very fine line in terms of the level of talent from the first to the worst team in the league versus the mentality
1: well, yeah, it's a little bit of talent. There's a awful lot of mentality, and it. look, it took me an awful long time to figure this out. And a an awful lot of the game is played between your ears. You know, it's not just a physical thing. And you know, you look at, at an old mate, of mine, Benny McCarthy. He has talked about uh, bringing uh, Rashford on and changing his mentality. And we all seen how good Rashford yeah. is just a minute. Yeah. And we all knew he had the talent. The talent was there, but just tinkering with his mentality, making him a little bit more professional. And you look at the results. So. It's it, it's it's a tough tough game, but an awful lot of is is played between your ears, yeah. You
2: know? It's amazing at that level. It really is like that self doubt must creep in and get louder and louder. Knowing that is is it the problem? Is because there's thousands of people there watching you, and then millions at home. Like, are you thinking about all of that when you're playing in that high level, intense?
1: Yeah. No, I don't think you think. I think it's just it's such a small circle, and obviously yeah. these boys are you know celebrities in their own right as well. So when when Rashford goes out and he's not playing well, he goes for dinner, Twitter, social media. You don't play well, you know you don't play well. It's not one of them where you can hide. So yeah, look, just a little mentality change for me. I don't understand the whole social media side of things, but that that's a different that's a conversation for a different day. But yeah, just little mentality changes at the, at the top end mean an awful awful lot
0: so many things when you think of Rashford that in 2020 he would have snatched some of the shots that he's taken right now I even think of the one at the new Camp where you're not expecting that he's um, going to shoot but yet he's in such a confident run of form and everything he's doing seems to be going right that he's more than happy to take that on early um, it's just a remarkable run of form he's in great goal again last night
1: for him. yeah he's got I was just about to say the goal against Betis is brilliant and from a coaching point of view you're telling him when he gets that ball onto his right foot you're telling him strike across the goalkeeper yeah. because if the goalkeeper saves it he's partying to an area somebody might tap it in but he goes near post but you can't complain when he does that can you and he just absolutely fires it into the top of the yeah. net and again that's a confidence finish
0: Yeah, Ideal response to my United in many ways against Real Betis last night they're very much on course now for quarterfinals of the Europa League do you think Ten Hag made the right decision to put the same 11 out again it's almost like here's a chance for you to redeem yourselves go out and do it
1: yeah, you say here's a chance to resume yourself so I think it was probably more of a punishment. You've dug this hole go and get yourselves out of it and you know I'm, from a coaching point of view a managing point of view at times you have to do that you have so you might have felt like there was a couple of bruises a couple of knocks a couple of egos would have took knocks as well but the only thing you can do is get out and get straight back on the horse and thankfully it could have imploded you know when it went to one all you're thinking this is a bit sketchy here if Betis go and get one here better
0: Betis hit the posted for half time Yeah, yeah. exactly. And
1: David De Gea looked really, really oh my uncomfortable God, what's going on there yeah, it looked he really. He looked uncounted. so shocked from Anfield, didn't he? He, he did. Yeah, though there was a bit of a hangover from Anfield, definitely from him. But you know, he probably had a sore back from picking the ball. At,
0: yeah, <laughs> time, like you wouldn't say that De Gea was always the best with his feet throughout his career, but like, he looked so shaky last yeah, time it's Yeah, it's a different level Yeah, but he's had a
1: couple of years of playing out from the back now. You know, you would you would think he'd get better at it. And look, I don't know. Look, you know, if for me, if they can go and catch Liverpool. Oh, sorry, if Liverpool can go and catch them, it'd be a disastrous season because they've done really, really well. So, very, very interesting at the, at the top and the bottom of the league. Yeah, for sure. So, that game is on um,
0: tomorrow afternoon, half past 12, kickoff on BT Sport. Premier Sport are going to be showing Leeds against Brighton, which is a three o'clock game. And like Leeds started well, Keith, um, since Javi Garcia came in and they picked up a win in their first game against Southampton, then lost against Fulham and Chelsea afterwards. So, they're still right in the mix at the bottom of the table. The only thing is, their former Ellen Road is going to make all the difference. We know all about their away form is horrific but 16 of their 22 points so far have all been picked up at home Brighton are going great but if Leeds are going to stay up these are the type of games that they need to pick up three points in
1: Yeah um, they, would, they would fancy picking up three points here at home Leeds are, are, are a different animal as you said 22 points uh, 22 Premier League games 16 came at home it's it's just not it's, it's not bad at home but it just hasn't been they uh, we say this about an awful lot of the, the lower, the so-called lower teams. They just haven't got somebody to put the ball in the back of the net. They have Bamford, but Bamford is struggling. He's really, really struggling. They haven't scored in the last two games. And when when I look at the the Leeds, the Leeds squad on paper, Yanto, Aronson Somerville, Bamford—they're not bad. This is a decent team. But you know, I, I get the feeling that when Leeds were looking for a new manager. There was a couple of a couple of boys torn them down, which I'm thinking, why why is that? You know, because mm. we didn't get a look at what's happening behind closed doors. Obviously, the managers didn't. They torn it down. So I, I'm I'm curious to why so many people turned it down because, like you say, on so paper, Simon
0: might have been some of it in that they backed to Marsh right up until the end of the transfer window and then got rid of him pretty soon afterwards. And that he brought in some players that he wanted in January. And if you're most likely with the nature of Rodrigo's injury, if you're a manager coming in, you're thinking, I would like to have had the chance to maybe bring a striker in. Oh
1: uh, yeah, I understand that. but ugh, there's so many managers that want to get into the Premier League. It's the most sought after league in the world. If you get offered a job in the Premier League, you take it. You know, you look at one of my old bosses, Mark Hughes. Just at Bradford at the minute, and he's an unbelievable CV, and he can't get into the Premier League. So if you get offered a, a Leeds job with that squad in a Premier in a relegation battle, I thought people would be licking their lips, thinking I can get them out of that. But clearly there was something putting people off in the background. There might have been the length of contract, but I thought people would have fancied it. You know, whatever's happening in the background is happening. But to go back to the game. I'll be honest with you I know Leeds are decent at home but I, I fancy Brighton I really really do and I, I think Brighton Brighton deserve all the credit in the world they lost Coo Correa, lost Trossard they just keep churning out really? win after win and a lot of people put it down to Potter thinking oh, it was all Graham Potter's brilliant but De Zerby just Herbie. picked up the mantle. Amazing. and kept it going Amazing they, like how's he getting this
2: like you say they're a worse off team but how are they how's he getting them to score the goals that Graham Potter couldn't and also you look at Brighton right there's almost two questions one really since last October in the top five European leagues only Bayern and Barcelona have more possession of the football than Brighton Mm -hmm. it's incredible but at the same time he's turning it into ruthless finishing in front of the goal what's he doing differently for you that Graham Potter was doing
1: I'm not too I don't think he's he's tinkered too much it's uh, I think the Graham potter brighton team was a very very good team yeah. i think roberto doserby knew that and he thought maybe i can add little things here and there but if it's not if it's not broke don't fix it and the the one thing I really like about Brighton is they're very quick starters in the opening 15 minutes a game they've scored 9 goals already so if you're going to go out and and start like a house on fire you're putting teams on the back foot and with McAllister in the middle you know, winning the World Cup we talk about confidence his confidence must be through the roof and his name is getting linked with with teams all over the place so McAllister's really really good Casado as well in the middle getting
0: Casado to sign a new contract is serious business too because he was so determined to go to Arsenal back in January maybe it's just a case of getting extra money this summer but they've given them themselves half a chance of keeping him there
1: I don't I, well look uh, maybe but I, I think it's it's literally just to make sure they get a, a few uh, a couple of million extra for him and look I, I don't know how Brighton do it they lose player yeah. after player after player but they just keep going, it, and going.
2: Yeah. what makes McAllister so special like he's in the Argentina team there during the World Cup like he has to be doing something brilliant because he's not with a high profile team worldwide what for as as a midfielder yourself, like what's he doing that you like so much?
1: He's always available for the ball. He'll take the ball uh, under pressure, he'll take the ball on the edge of his own eighteen yard box and you can trust him with it. It's you know, when you get your head up and you're in trouble, there's somebody closing you down and you see him on the edge of his own eighteen yard box, there's certain players you see and you think, I can't trust him with that. Really. Always trust him McAllister, give him the ball, he won't lose it and look when this fella's playing with Argentina and winning World Cups you give the World Cup one of the ball it doesn't matter where he is you give him the ball and he can score goals he defends really well he yeah. doesn't, I don't think he gets enough praise for the way he defends and the way he presses but keeps everything ticking over nice and easy as well
2: Would you think that yourself sometimes if you had the ball in tight area you look up you see a teammate, you're like I don't think I should give yeah, it
1: to the- Yeah there is certain players you don't trust with the ball and say, I mean I remember Robbie Savage told a story once that um, so I think he was playing for Leicester at the time and yeah. some somebody fizzed the ball into Robbie Savage and the first thing that the manager did was I told you not to pass at <laughs> look, Robbie. Robbie got a great career, there, yeah, yeah, You know, a talented midfielder. He wasn't. He was a runner.
0: Yeah, I would have thought though Robbie Savage, a player coming through Man United's academy, he'd be more than comfortable on the ball. He's the guy he'd want to get the ball. To.
1: No, he he wants to chase the ball. He doesn't want the ball. He, he's a he's a professional ball getter. I think one of the managers called him. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, professional ball getter.
2: That's your LinkedIn title there, professional <laughs> yeah. ball getter. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, just one question there. I had for you on Leeds. A lot of talk in the last 24 hours about managers coming back. Mauricio Pochettino linked to a Tottenham. Should Leeds have gone for Bielsa? Or is that finished?
1: I don't know. If they if they went for Bielsa, I would have gave them. You know, maybe they have a chance of staying up. They'll concede an awful lot of goals. It'll be entertaining on the UI, It'll be a hundred mile an hour rock and roll football. But it, it would feel like it's just stagnated they got rid of them, they bring them back. It just feels like it would, you know, never go back. I, I, mm. Unless he, it was he, the fans love him at Leeds, but. I, you know, I would have seen it as a backwards move had he reinstated them. To be honest, mm,
0: does that, by the nature of what you've just said there, do you think that Javi Grassi is going to struggle to keep them up? Then
1: I think he will. Just because I'm, I'm struggling to to find three teams that are worse than them. Okay, mathematically I know this isn't happened, but in my head. Bournemouth are gone in my head okay. Southampton in my head are, are also struggling to stay up I think the only ones to have a, a real possibility of staying up are Everton mm. and I think Everton could replace uh, Leeds so I think Leeds will go into the bottom three Do you think West Ham will be alright? I think they will be alright I think it will be it will be nervous obviously they're doing very well in Europe which is probably you know not what they wanted I I. To be, I'm saying I have a couple of West Ham f- uh, friends at home and I'm always saying the quicker you are out of Europe the better because yeah, yeah. Denny's will just pull away from that relegation zone and the squad is going to be stretched so look I, I think West Ham will be, will be okay but it'll be closer than he would have liked mm. Colin, give us your prediction for Brighton and Leeds then Brighton and Leeds I'd say Brighton will win 3-1
2: Keep, I'm going to say keeping the European charge up yes essentially, absolutely I just,
0: I think they're fantastic. The Brighton side, mm. I just love watching them. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Our focus is then going to be on the title race with Arsenal and Man City both in action.
2: The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. the football kickoff with Sky watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports
0: Welcome back to the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sport this weekend and every weekend. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch us each Friday lunchtime. Keith Tracy and Colin Buig are still here with me. We're changing our focus now on the title race, lads. 5:30 kickoff on Sky Sports tomorrow evening is Crystal Palace against Man City. Colin Buig has already given us the stat that Crystal Palace have not won in the Premier League in the calendar year of 2023. While Man City, here's the stat to throw back. A column, have lost more points on the road in the Premier League this season than all of last year. No way. Yeah. They've dropped 15 points already on the road this season.
1: Why is that? Well, they haven't been playing well away from home. <laughs> 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 you know, look at it as in black and white. But look, at the, there's certain things. Look, Man City, for me at the minute, I actually do think they're starting to hit form. 13 games to go, to, have uh, three on the bounce, unbeaten, and seven in all competition. So, Phil Foden is starting to find a bit of form as well. I think Haaland is always dangerous. I know he hasn't been, you know, banging, he hasn't scored his hat tricks like people want. But look, City, I think for me, I'm a a big, big Arsenal fan. But the reason I think Arsenal don't win the league is because City find another gear and just kick on. And, you know, they have all the form in this. When you you look at a horse race, Man City are the favourites, the second, they're just stalking Arsenal. And for me, they do find another gear and. Look, it'll be difficult against Palace, but I expect them to find a way. I think he, he's brought Kevin De Bruyne out of the team. He's given a bit of slap on the wrist saying he hasn't been great when Pep does that he usually gets a reaction from players usually he does so if Kevin De Bruyne comes in hits the ground running again starts finding them passes for Haaland running in behind I think it'll be a very very difficult day for Palace
0: Yeah there's still plenty of road left for Man City mm. when it comes to this title race. that's probably the most important thing they're going to have divided loyalties between now and the end of the season the Champions League has to be a burning ambition for Man City currently the favourites to lift the Champions League as things stand but uh, this is a big opportunity this weekend they'll feel especially last weekend they will have been probably sore after beating Newcastle in the early kickoff. they watch Arsenal go 2-0 down at home to mm. Bournemouth you're thinking we're right back within you know, effectively the title race being back in our own hands because they'll see this game against Arsenal as one that they can win next month and go top of the table but they've got to just keep the pressure on Arsenal don't they?
1: They do but look I, I say I expect Manchester City to win the game but Palace this is a game that we'll play into Palace's hands because Palace will go when they get 10 men behind the ball and they leave, uh, they leave Zaha just standing on the halfway line And look, they might even bring him back 20, 25 yards because he still has the pace to run away from people in that situation. So it will be like an attack v defence type of scenario. And as soon as Palace win it, Wilfred Zaha will start running. The ball will be played in the grass. So there's definitely you know, a a round where uh, Palace go and get something out of this game and like we said Patrick Vieira has played uh, played against Manchester City three times he's won one drew one and lost one so that's not a bad record for any club against Manchester City so look Palace will be in the game if Manchester City can keep the door closed and in particular keep Wilver Zaha under the wraps then I think they go and win the game pretty easy if Zaha has a good game then it's going to get really really difficult and look even if city come away with a draw or that I don't think it's it's the end of the world because really? I think I I, I think Pep said it as well I don't think Arsenal going to the rest of the season they drop points city drop points it's just who picks up more like I say City have all the form we've yeah. seen them in this position before i just kick on like Arsenal have some tough games
2: left lads. so do Man City but Arsenal I think have tough right they have to go to Anfield they have to go to the Etihad they have to host Chelsea they have to go to Newcastle who I know aren't in great form but they still have to go to St James' Park where, just, where they kind of famously capitulated last season and Gralachaka yeah. came out and castigated his teammates then on the Man City side of things at home to Liverpool home to Arsenal home to Chelsea you, you'd, fa- you'd favour City wouldn't you not just because of muscle memory but it's a slightly favourable fixture list
1: Yeah but look the Arsenal fixture list it is what it is everybody has to play each other twice it doesn't really matter when they come around but you're looking at it and you're thinking yeah Arsenal maybe on paper will drop a a few more points but this City squad will get get tired as we're saying they're going to go deep into the Champions League you'd expect them to win during the week and and kick on so their loyalties are going to be split they have a huge very talented squad, but for me, they're missing some key members, and these these are the red flags I'm talking about. And I've said it before: Cancelo coming on uh, playing for Bayern Munich mm. when you've got the best left back, best right back in the world, and you're sending them out on loan because there's a little bit of a spat. Yeah. You know, in and
0: then back, Byron, then Byron don't play him against PSG. Sorry. Exactly,
1: you know, these are but the fact that, that Manchester City have Tron Bernardo Silva in that left back and that they've got the best left back going out the door yeah. you Look, I'm not sure how bad the spat was You know, Pep Guardiola obviously thought you had to get him out of the club but for me back in my day if a player is as as talented as Joe Cancelo is a little bit upset you sort of just pander to his ego and, and you make him feel invincible you keep him in the team to, to show him the door could could end up being a mistake.
2: Yeah, it was one of Ferguson's regrets, wasn't it? Um showing Yap Stam the door and replacing him with a, a very much aging Laurent Blanc and that season they were, weren't great. Like but at the same time like it's interesting what you said there, you know, you have to pay everyone twice of course. And like would the players really not mind that? Would they not look at the remaining fixtures and be like, Oh God, look at that. Like you want some bankers, don't you, when you're so close to the title.
1: Eh, well, there is no bankers. You know, Every game's going to have pressure on it, whether Arsenal play Bournemouth tomorrow, there's pressure. Yeah. Every single game, whether it's bottom, middle or top, it just pressure. So it's just who handles the pressure better. And, and the fact that, the, the reason I go towards City is because in these big pressure games, yeah. City come out the other side of it. Like I say, I'm an Arsenal fan and it's all too fresh in my mind. Arsenal's last season, going for the Champions League, getting beat in the North London Derby and then just tapering away. So Are you not
0: feeling reassured though by the way that they're getting some of these results? Think of last week think of Aston Villa think about these late winners that they're getting and coming back from adverse positions I am Yeah.
1: Look, I, the, the the Aston Villa one was brilliant the Jorginho hit and that that was a real double whammy because Jorginho coming in from Chelsea there was a a, yeah. a, a feeling amongst the fans do we really want Jorginho he's a bit one paced are we going to win the league with him when he hit that and it hits the bar goes in all of a sudden he's accepted everybody loves him so that got everybody on side and then they get the, the last minute winner against Bournemouth winning becomes a habit as, as much as losing can become a habit yeah. uh, winning becomes a habit and the Arsenal players will be in the dressing room just thinking starting to feel like our season I'm very reluctant to stay that on air because as soon as I do that's <laughs> yeah. when they'll nosedive but look Arsenal will just be going on about their business taking it game by game and look hopefully but Keith there's
2: no avoiding it like Arsenal are in the driving seat 12 games to go 5 points clear it's theirs to lose like it is in every sense
1: like you said they've got to go to Newcastle they have to go to the Etihad they've some very very look I, I could pick out two games very easily that Arsenal could lose there and you know I could easily say I think City go unbeaten for the you rest of the you just want
0: season. to crank up the
2: pressure here Colin yeah. that's all you're oh, doing but you were here. saying to me the fixture So you have to play everyone twice it doesn't matter
1: yeah you do but I'm still saying Arsenal could lose to Liverpool could lose to whoever yeah. you know but you would say if I Man City to win for the rest of the season, we could have a serious argument that I think Manchester City can win every game for the rest of the season. Arsenal, I don't think anybody would say that with too much confidence.
0: I still think there's twists and turns to come but that's half past five on Sky Sports tomorrow on Sunday the aforementioned Arsenal go to Fulham who've been a little bit patchy in their form in recent weeks they're involved in an absolute thriller against Brentford last week which is a 3-2 as well um, so Arsenal obviously will know what they have to do because they know what the city result is from Saturday I wonder as well Keith when it comes to this we saw the rotated team for last night in Portugal against Sporting I wonder do Arsenal care that much about next Thursday in the second leg
1: I think they do, yeah. You know, because the last thing you want is for to pick up two, three bad results in the, in the Premier League and then all of a sudden you're out of the race and you're finishing second, so for me I wouldn't be putting all my eggs in any basket, I think at this stage you know, a draw against Sporting is not the worst, while bringing them back to London we'd expect to win that game and be able to move on so the squad is going to get more and more stretched, it's going to get harder and harder but I think Arteta will have a, a huge decision to make in a, you know, a month a month and a half's time, whether he's going to put, go for the Premier League or he's going to win, win the Europa League, I'm not so sure which one, well I know which one he Want, the, I think all Arsenal fans would say they want the Premier League. I think it's going to be the tougher of the two to win, yep. and of course, if I, I do think they'll have to beat Manchester United in uh, in Europe as well to, to win that. So, very, very difficult boat routes, but I think they just take it game by game and see where it takes them. You know, you put your best team out if, if there's knocks, you replace them, but that's what Trossard is so good at, and Ketia come in. You know, if I'd have said that Arsenal would be challenging for the league with Ketia playing the bulk of the yeah. games, you'd be thinking no chance. Yeah. And Jesus has gone out with his injury and Ketty's come in, Trossard's playing as a false nine. Really, really good. And look at a big one for me, you Ben White coming in from Brighton as a centre-half you, you remember his first game against uh, it Brentford was Brighton, Brentford sorry yeah, yeah Brentford and he away. got absolutely bullied yeah. and I was thinking 50 yeah. million by this and then he's gone out to right back and he's been brilliant yeah. absolutely really aggressive with uh, his pressing he's quick enough to get back if somebody does skip past him so look some of the decisions Arteta's make has been really really good and it bodes really well for Arsenal I
0: know you were a fan of Trostar before he came in but have you been pleased by how well he's actually settled in so quickly
1: yeah and people take that for, for granted thinking oh, I was the Premier League he knows it You'll be okay. It's going into a new dressing room, bigger egos, and a league club. I know Brighton are, you know, in terms of the league, are not a million miles off Arsenal, but Arsenal are an elite club in England. Brighton aren't, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure everybody would accept that. So Trossard going in there, Belgian international, will has all the class in the world, but the way he manipulates the ball, he's not the quickest in the world, but he'll mm-hmm. stand people up, manipulate the ball left, to right, Tony in ribbons, and then he has that little pass as well. There was. He, he had an assist there the other day but he, he just nutmegged somebody and I think mm. it was somebody ran through and it was brilliant I think with Martinelli he nutmegged somebody Martinelli went through against Leicester yeah. the Leicester goal it was all down to Trossard it brilliant so Arsenal like you say with uh, with Liverpool I don't like Liverpool's bench Arsenal starting 11 is really strong That's and strong. you've one or two off the bench as well that can change things Speaking of Martinelli
2: he scored nearly one of the great Europa League goals last night against Sporting where he ran half the pitch and just tried to go around the goalkeeper very surprisingly on Monday morning show just gone obviously we were talking about Liverpool Manchester United out of nowhere Nathan Murphy mentioned Gabriel Martinelli to Daniel Harris our Manchester United contributor and posed the point that Gabriel Martinelli could very well potentially be world class Daniel Harris disagreed strongly where do you a lot of clauses
0: in there before you answer it he could potentially be world class so he could. didn't say he was world class no then. but I, Nathan was very much hinting that this guy has
2: everything that he needs to have to be a world class footballer like world, like the best of the best in the world what do you think
1: well as, as a left, a left winger
2: so I, I fo- well I, I suppose so, a general forwards, left winger turned forward
1: well if, if you're saying you, you want him to be the, the best left winger striker for me in the world at the minute would probably be Mbappe so yeah. if you're saying is Martinelli on the same level as Mbappe no not right now could he get there yeah, yeah,
2: potentially. It's the potential, so that's potentially the what
1: we're he could get about, yeah. there. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say. Really? Like, yeah, like he, he's been in the Arsenal squad for maybe five, five, four or five years now, so a long time, and he's still very, very young. Yeah. he's le- he's getting better every year. He is progressing, so he doesn't have the the speed to hurt you like uh, like an Mbappe, but like the the Leicester the way he just opens himself out. He knows he's about to get a whack as well. But he takes the whack. He's nice and brave. So, yeah, I think Martinelli c- could go on to potentially be world class. I think he's been overshadowed a bit by how good Saka is on the right wing. And and obviously with Saka being English he, he gets an awful lot of applause mm. from Sky. so look Martinelli's doing his thing he's doing really really well and look you don't become a Brazilian international if you're not good do you? No.
2: I know Colm's good in his world class that's what I was wondering yeah give us your tip then for this London derby between Fulham and Arsenal um, and Sunday this is a good one Will this is tough to call I'm going to say just Arsenal 1-0 another thriller 1-0 to the Arsenal here yeah I, the, it doesn't mean that it's going to be a poor
0: game lads just low scoring doesn't mean lack of entertainment yeah, they're saying to the stereotype. That's the 2pm kickoff on Sky Sports on Sunday. The half-past four game will be Newcastle United against Wolves. Now, Newcastle are in a nosedive of form here, Keith. Uh, three defeats in a row in all competitions failed to score in those games. Now, they were difficult matches. Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United in the F L Cup final. But they have down to sixth in the Premier League now. Mm. And these draws not being turned into wins and now this run of defeats, it's seen them just slip off the pace a bit for Champions League. Is this going to be them out of the top four for the rest of the season or do you think they'll get back to form
1: I think they'll they'll come back to form somewhat I don't think they'll recover and get back into fourth just because of how strong the, the contenders are in there you know the winless since the start of February and Eddie Howe has come out and said that the the cup the final cup the cup final was a huge distraction on his squad which is fair enough you know they haven't been in a final for an awful long time but three defeats on the bounce all of 2-0 and you know the one thing we were highlighting was Newcastle's defence was rock solid and mm. all of a sudden they're starting to leak goals I know the opposition were very very good but they're not getting on the score sheet either which is worrying no no side has scored fewer goals than uh, Newcastle since the World Cup break yeah. they've only scored six since then which is not a great return so yeah look at Newcastle maybe though even a little bit but You know, they were overachieving, they really were. Some of the players they brought in are really, really good, but I still think they're probably four or five players away from being able to say, you know financially they're at the top table in football but on the pitch they're not They're not quite there yet Is that
0: not an opportunity missed then? Because when I looked at January I thought Newcastle got themselves into a remarkable position because not just their own first half of the season's work but Tottenham looked indifferent Liverpool were way down the table Chelsea sitting mid-table like, that probably won't happen again yeah. you've got three big clubs who were off the pace in the top four I was wondering why they didn't go back in the market in January and just bring a couple of players in to boost them in attack
1: yeah, well, it's a difficult one because you, you can't just come in and overhaul everything because there has to be an incentive within the club and you look at the players they've almost, the new goalkeeper almost a whole new back four two new players in the midfield and the, the front three uh, Joe Linton's in there Almiron's in there do you go and replace them? Because they are doing so, so well for you now and the Geordies have really took to them since they've done well especially Almiron and You Joe.
0: argue though Almiron's maybe burned out a little bit and just yeah, it looks that way. someone else to come in
1: yeah, but that's when you need a player just to come off the bench and say, "Listen, you haven't been doing," it. and that's the little slap on the wrist for Almeron, the competition to say you're out. He's coming in, and you start training well, start hitting the back of the net and training, and you walk your way back into the team. And look, I, I, Eddie Howe is overachieving. He really is. I just hope the the Newcastle fans don't get you know too itchy because they're doing well. I don't want them to think you know we've lost a couple of games. This is this is disgraceful. You know Eddie Howe out because believe me. Eddie Howe was massively massively overachieving
2: yeah. this time last year Newcastle had a relegation battle they're 6th now it's, if they just spread out their form a bit more people will be happier It's just exactly. they haven't won a game in nearly 2 months but like you said Keith like the start of the season they were phenomenal also is it not a case of just getting Alexander Isak fit because he looked brilliant when the little bits that he has played, like Callum Wilson hasn't scored he's like never, sort of once he's in 14 games he's never a big games.
0: goal scorer though Callum even mm. when like he was doing well at Real Sociedad he was sometimes a facilitator up front rather than being say the man who will score goals Like I think he's a very very good footballer but. When you're relying on Callum Wilson and when you're relying on say, Almiron, who's now not scoring, in yeah. But that's
2: what I mean, well, Wilson yeah. looks shot. Like he looks, it looks like he's done really since the World Cup. won goal in fourteen games. You, like Isaac, like, okay, he may not be a prolific goalscorer, but you can get that into him, can't you? Because he has the quality.
1: Yeah, but look, I, they need a, they need an out and out scorer. They haven't quite got that yet. Look, Wilson's a decent player. Isaac's a very decent player, but they're not somebody who you'll hang your hat on. I think there's twenty goals a season. You know, there's very few of them out there. there like, I know that, but. They need somebody who just who comes on the pitch and thinks if I score, I've had a good game, and you know that selfish, selfish player that you need. And you know, like I, I like Wilson, Isak. You know, he's had his injuries, but again he's more of a more of a link-up player than somebody who will be on the end of things. So, I do think Newcastle will go back at the end of the season and, and address a couple of a couple of positions. I think Longstaff in the middle. You know he wor- he works hard, he gets around, but I think the fans and let's not forget they might have one or two going out the door. Sven Botman's done really really well. Uh, Bruno Gomarish has done well. He could end up getting a couple of. Uh, uh, clubs in from as well, so Newcastle have a fight on both ends to try and get people in the door and keep people in the building as well. But look for Eddie Howe's force force full season in charge. You know what more could you want realistically now? I know I know the Geordies will say ah oh, this and that we could have won a cup, but a cup final and really really comfortable in a European race.
0: Half four kickoff Sky Sports on Sunday. Before we go, Column, you have a question from a viewer for I, Keith. I have a question. From Rory
2: Larimer Big fan of the show And a huge Blackburn Rovers supporter He wants to know From you Keith Who was the most talented player At Blackburn when you were there
1: uh, The most talented Well the most The most naturally gifted I ever played with Would have been Tugoy He was uh, Unbelievable Like I said Smoked at half time <laughs> Cheated in bleep tests Very rarely trained Used to get Crates of Coca-Cola Delivered to the canteen Nobody else that was allowed To drink them the coaches mad well not when you're a talented oh, well, it's too yeah. good no we would
0: not be thinking like you're so talented if you just put that extra little bit of effort in that,
2: Sorry, would, you know when you say talent do you mean his passing range like what like specifically was he so everything, brilliant that?
1: passing range just the way he control a ball his first touch was second to none the way he read the game his, his way to pass like I oh, oh, was a winger and I'd be running onto his balls and the way it just, yeah. it'd just just be there for you it's right in front you wouldn't have to break your stride and his his pass appreciation was brilliant the way he seen the game and the volleys he scored you know yeah, I remember. Box, some of the volleys he would score and an absolute character absolutely loved him he was brilliant with me and oh yeah, there was a couple though you know Roque Santa Cruz was very very yeah. talented Craig Bellamy was one who came in and walked on his game every single day he was probably the most talented I played with who you know had to work it Yeah. two guys just rolled out of bed and was brilliant
2: how did you find playing with Bellamy
1: Bellamy look all the stories that people have heard about Bellamy are you know I heard them and I thought yeah they're probably true you know he is quite ruthless he's a winner he wants to win you know, it, if you weren't up to the standard that he wanted he he would let you know yeah. whether you were a, an older pro or a younger pro he he was cutthroat with people at times but it drove the standards on and Mark Hughes loved them for it so look if I was a manager now when I had the chance to bring Craig Bellamy into my club I'd bring him in just for what he would do in the really? dressing room behind the scenes yeah Oops.
0: You have been watching and listening to the football kickoff here with Sky all the football you love in one place across the weekend on Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports
2: The football kickoff with Sky watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.